I'm Stephanie Arisa, Miss Mission International 2022, and this is my interview with the Pageant Project. Hello everyone, it is Adrian from The Pageant Project. My special guest for today is Stephanie Aritza, sorry I am butchering the pronunciation, who is Miss Mission International 2022. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Adrian, and happy to connect. It's a pleasure. Now there's a whole bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about, um, yeah. some of which is not really to do with pageantry. So I've <laughs> been watching your content, doing the good old Instagram store. I've been seeing stuff about SEO, so I know you're into marketing and things like that, which I'm very interested in as well. Mm-hmm. I believe you just launched your own academy, is that correct? Yeah, so I actually started my B2B marketing business back during COVID and I took the leap of faith at the end of last year and I'm branching that out. Really my my niche focus is suppliers and manufacturers for the oil and gas since I have extensive, wow. extensive expertise in that industry. And then I'm getting ready to launch um, Miss Divinity Academy, which is mixing mindfulness and pageantry and all of the tools that I've learned from both into one very special coaching program for girls that are looking to expand and wish win an international title or for women that just really really want to tune in more into their feminine side beautiful so we'll get into that in a sec let's start with the easier questions and the ones that i seem to keep forgetting when i jump on is how did you get into pageantry to begin with oh my goodness i love this question because my mom actually always wanted to compete in pageants. It was like her dream, but unfortunately my grandfather never let her. It just wasn't, you know, seemed right um, during her her time. And so it was kind of like a forgotten dream of her. So when she got pregnant with me and I'm the youngest of five, she was like, this is going to be my beauty queen. This is going to be my queen rubbing her belly. So I was born and sure enough, I would be like five years old, just walking around the pool and saying, Hi, mom, I'm Miss Universe, without, you know, no real concepts of what pageantry was. And so I think that was just like something in me. And then when I turned 15 and I was like, you know, mom, I really want to do pageantry. And so I started into pageantry, not really knowing anything besides watching the Miss Universe every single year Mm. of my life since I was a little girl. And then it's been just quite a journey ever since. And I've enjoyed every moment of it. Can you tell us a little bit? So that was what led up to you. It sounds like you were born into it. Um, although 15 is, it's not late, but there are some girls obviously that start like way earlier than that, like at five. Yeah. Um, but walk us through the journey. So what has your journey been from starting at 15, as you said, and then all the way up to now where you're holding an international title? Yeah, you know, I was kind of... Uh born into pageantry because I would just walk around, you know, waving my little hand around the pool. But when I was younger, I was like really into sports and I was kind of a tomboy. And when I turned 15, like I would continue watching the Miss Universe. I was like, you know what? Like I can do that one day. Like I see myself being like that. So when I took that leap of faith and with the support of my parents, I started into pageantry and it's been, you know what, 10 years now that I've uh, been in pageantry. 
And just from the beginning of being that young 15-year-old teenager to a Stephanie being this confident, powerful woman that I consider myself to be, and that gap in between in each mm. pattern that I did has just taught me so much about myself. So it was kind of kind of a journey of finding my true self and my authentic self through pageantry. What what attracted you to pageantry? Because you say you're a tomboy, and I've interviewed a lot of pageant girls who do, who certainly early on at least, and probably to be fair, still to this day, enjoy sports, rough and tumble, no makeup, get a sweat on, it's all great. And then obviously the pageant world is quite, you know, opposite to that. A lot of glam makeup. So what exactly attracted you to the pageantry side? I think just seeing how powerful these women were on stage and mm -hmm. just watching them as universe every single year and just watching these women just speak about who they were, their platforms, their own goals, strunching that walk, it was just very powerful because starting at looking at it when I was younger, I was like, wow, you know, like, I want to be like that. I want to mm. grow into being just powerful like they are. So in a sense, I almost idolized the Miss Universe every single year because of that. And so when I was, I think when I was finally, you know, turning more into a woman at the age of 15, I was like, you know what? you can be that stuff. It's just a matter of you taking the leap of faith because, you know, when I was younger, my mom would always ask me, you know, you want me to put you in it? And I was like, no, you know what? No, mom. I kind of just, my own beliefs, I think, just kind of saw it from yeah. afar and something that you just, like a soap opera that you only watch on TV and it looks great on TV, but you're not going to be in it. Um, and so that was me all the way up until I was 15. I was like, well, you know what? Like back to back, I just got, like I think the universe was like, hey, do a pageant, do a pageant. Because back to back, I kept on getting like letters yeah. in the mail. Uh, my mom was like, hey, look, Steph, look what I got. And so finally, there was like a pageant that really caught my eye um, here in Houston, actually, representing um, like Miss uh, Columbia in Houston for, for teens. And so I was like, you know what, mom, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I did it. And that was my very first pageant. And I actually won that pageant. Um, so it made me feel like, oh my God, like I can do this. Like yeah. I can. Um, so I think that's what attracted me in it. Just looking at these women being on stage and just standing so powerful in who they are. And you just got back from Miss Universe, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I went to go it see it and I was like a dream come true. Um, my ultimate dream is to be on that stage one day. But, you know, just seeing them and seeing like that presence, there's like very impactful, the energy that these women project and like mm. the preparation that goes into it for us that, you know, what we see the audience, a show of what, three hours, three and a half hours. And then just seeing them like their eyes, they just radiate, you know, this confidence, this empowerment. And I just think it's absolutely beautiful to have women from all over the world all over the universe combined in one stage, one platform, and each have their own voice, their own way of even communicating the, who they are through the walk, through their facial expressions, through their smile, through their eyes. It was just extremely like impactful. And then if and anyone can do it one day to go attend a Miss Universe show, like, please do so. It is so worth it. <laughs> well, it's something that I haven't done yet. And, um, 
I, I really need to do. I don't know where it's going to be next. Um, but can you just tell me, I'm interested to know, what was the feeling like in the crowd? Because I saw on people's socials, like some of the videos, and I saw like people really, it looked like 3,000 rows back. You couldn't see anything, so you had to watch the screen. And then at some stage, I think people were up on chairs to see what was happening. What was the atmosphere like? Because it looked pretty raucous. Yeah, I think just the energy from all the supporters of, you know, the girls there. So you had people like Philippines had a huge crowd. Mm -hmm. USA, yeah. of course, you know, had a yeah. huge crowd. Venezuela had a huge crowd. Um, I was definitely rooting for like Colombia and USA. So, you know, everyone was just like every time like they would call their girls or the girls would come on stage. Like it was just in a way like the battle of the countries and who was the loudest. Mm -hmm. You would yeah. hear like oh, all of these countries and it was just um, overwhelming, but like overwhelming of joy. Cause I think a lot of yeah. the people that were there were like, oh my God, I'm actually seeing this live. You know, a lot of people yeah. there are like that five-year-old me who started watching this universe when she was just a five-year-old and saw that as like, oh, this is something that you just see on TV. So I think yeah. for a lot of people being there in that moment and that present was like also a dream come true. Um, and I think, you know, I think as humans, it was very normal for like people to like want to be front row and mm. get on the chairs and see and peek, um, you know, cause that, that happened. Uh, but I think it was just, everyone was just like so excited and then nervous too, as it got closer to the yeah. end. Lots it sounds like it was like, Sounds like it was a rock concert. It, um, I mean, I've been to some pageants which didn't have much atmosphere, but it, that one looks like it was a, uh, was in the mosh pit. Um, let me ask you, what, what else did you get up to whilst you were there? Because I know that you went over with your mission sisters as well. So you went and saw Universe, which I'm jealous mm -hmm. about, and one day I will do that. But tell us more about what you did whilst you were there as well. Yeah, so I one of my platforms as Miss Mission International is to really share the light on elders and just really support them and share beauty for this stage of life. You know, I think a lot of times we forget that life is a cycle. We're born and then we kind of go back into that cycle of being mm -hmm. a baby. And so I think it's beautiful. Um, so we were actually able to go visit some elders home and spend time with them, prep them tea, dance with them, kind of tell them about who we are, just like listen to their stories because you know, you're, talking to people that have lived for a very long time, probably like mm -hmm. four times as my teen, my elite and myself. So just like hearing these stories was very impactful and touching at the same time. And we were actually able to be there as well with uh, Danny, Danny Walker. Um, She's very big in the pageant community and yeah. have her at the event, do some interviews with them and then really bond as well with my teen and my elite and enjoy New Orleans. Um, if no one has ever been to New Orleans, like they have the most amazing food. <laughs> so definitely did that too. So it was I was amazing. going to say. <laughs> yes, it was a great trip. It was a, a trip of, you know, giving back to something that's very personal to myself as a Stephanie and mm. Miss Mission, um, but while also enjoying the glitz and the glamour. So I think that's what pageantry is about as well as, you know, the glitz and the glamour, but having that very human and that voice side of us queens. That's one of the things I really love about the mission system is that you get to bring your advocacy, the one you're passionate about, to the table as a queen rather than having 
I say having, having to do an advocacy that let's say you're not passionate about, but that's the advocacy for the system. Um, when I interviewed Kat, it became very clear why she had picked, or not her advocacy, but why she was passionate about feeding, let's say, the most vulnerable, the homeless, because that was her lived experience when she was younger. For yourself, what, what was the reason that you uh, chose to focus or why are you passionate about the elders in our community? You know, I think I come from my grandma and seeing mm -hmm. her and when she had um, kind of a heart attack a few years ago and she lost her memory, lost a lot of her own will to, to move and needed a lot of support. And just seeing that really impacted me on a very personal level, knowing that, you know, there's many people out there that don't have that gift of having someone actually help mm. them. Um, and seeing her just have a lot more pain in her body that just naturally comes with, you know, being a human. Mm. Um, and so that I was like, you know what, like if this, you know, this in a way hurts me personally, cause it's my grandma. Like I can't imagine others that are out there. And it just started happening that I got approached by, you know, just randomly like people just saying, hey, you know what's happening? Like this is going out in my community. When I became Miss Mission Columbia, like this is going on. One of them was the, that impact within the elders. So I just felt as a queen of someone, you know, also speaking, having a voice for those that came to me saying, hey, this is an actual matter and mm -hmm. it needs a voice and it needs someone to share that. So seeing my grandma and then having visited different homes around my country, seeing these people that they, you know, they don't even have time at all to deal with pain and they're really suffering and there's really nothing that they can do about it really just touched me on a personal level. And I want others to know that they can make an impact because even with their grandparents or the parents or their neighbors, you know, just mm. something small as like carrying their groceries, seeing how you can help out around their home just makes a huge difference because wanted or not, you know, with growing older, there comes just natural limitations that our body just naturally go to. And there's no shame in that. But I think as the younger generations, if we're able to support and provide that help and that light for them, we can really make mm. a difference. I think the thing with also um, in general, at least in the developed world, because the standard of medical care has gone up, the life our life expectancies are getting longer and longer, which means that we do have an aging population. So yeah. even if you're young and free now, there's a good chance that you know you'll live till 80, 90, maybe even more by that stage. But let me ask, so aside from volunteering your time with elders, um, which is something that I certainly encourage everyone to do, get involved if you have, we call it an old folks home, I don't know what you call it, but, <laughs> you know, colloquialism for a retirement home or where um, some, the elders will go to, let's say, have assisted living um, to help with their daily daily needs. But is there anything that you think community on a larger scale or sort of policies from government, you think that we need to do? in order to be able to address situations like what your grandmother is going through? I think we should implement that at an early age, just more than any anything, educating ourselves for that stage in life. You know, if we can implement government programs where mm -hmm. we're able to kind of like a 401k to really secure our retirement, to really secure our 
stage where we need help mm. and we need that assisted living. I don't think we think of that, or I know for me personally, I haven't uh, been, yeah. I wasn't educated on that until now I'm educating myself. Like, you know, I really need to prepare for myself when I am older at this stage, because mm. I think when it happened with my grandma, we weren't ready. Um, and it really took the whole family just like coming together and saying, Hey, like, what are we going to do? So I yeah. think if we implement just, you know, it's just an, edu an education about it, that there's nothing wrong with having, being prepared. And if, you know, if it's God's wish that you do make it at that stage in life, then great. And I think, you know, governments can definitely help by providing affordable care for your retirement where you can get assistant living to where it doesn't cost someone a crazy amount of money, especially for like third world countries like in Colombia. I really wish that the government and desire that the government does implement this or even for their current elders that are out there have more programs that are willing to support and provide medical care and provide over-the-counter medicine because it is truly heartbreaking when you see a 90-year-old or an 80-year-old just mm. complain because they don't even have the resources. And as much as these organizations, which, you know, they try to fund it themselves through donations from corporations or, you know, just people that are willing to give their time and their their money to support them, there's still a big gap. And I think, unfortunately, in third world countries, there isn't really a focus on it. Um, yeah. So I think by sharing that light, I hope that organizations and politicians can realize, you know, that we can also implement programs for assisted living. Yeah, it's, um, it's always the most at risk in our community that seem to suffer the most, especially at the moment, the financial climate where cost of living is just going through the roof, you know, not even talking about buying a house, but just the cost of yeah. fuel. Like, I know in the UK, there are a lot of people who have to turn their heating off, for example, because it just costs too much. And it will always be the elderly or the homeless who are going to suffer the most. I mean, it's great that your family was able, it's great that your family was there for your grandmother, because as you already pointed out, not every elder has that, um, has the luck to have a family around them um so at least that that's a good part of the story um but tell us more so that's the pageantry side of things now let's go through to the as you, you set up let's go to the the other aspects of what you do because i can see obviously well i'm going to assume that you're fairly busy through the day because uh, <laughs> of what you post with seo and you mentioned gas and oil companies and then you've got the academy launching so let's go to the marketing side the b2b which if you're watching you don't know is business to business yeah. um as opposed to b2c which is business to consumer and you said you bit the bullet uh <laughs> last year so i imagine there's a bit of a story behind this it wasn't just oh i'll do this it's like something you've been thinking about for a while so tell me more about your role in that area so i started in marketing about you know eight plus years ago. And I just really fell in, uh, in love with the psychology and the human side of what makes a person make that buying decision. And so mm. throughout my whole career, I just, my strong suit just more naturally came to marketing. And then I started doing marketing for the oil and gas. And during COVID, I had, you know, just a few friends approach me like, hey, Steph, you know, I heard that you do marketing full time. Um, can you help me out with marketing? I think ever since I was a little girl and like just seeing my mom just being a very entrepreneurial woman, 
um, that was always just instilled in me and just being hyper and wanting to do a lot with my life and live a purposeful life. Um, so, you know, fast forward to year, you know, after COVID and then by the end of last year, I was very like focused on prepping for my pageant towards the end. I was like, well, you know what stuff like I, for one, I wanted to have more flexibility and really enjoy my reign this year. Mm. And really at the end, I was like, okay, you really want to branch out on your own. So it's either a, you stay stuck in a fear and stay in a comfortable stage of, you know, working your nine to five, which is there's nothing wrong with that, but like you stay in that or you take that leap of faith of the fear and you try it out because you already know that you already got started. You had something brewing during COVID. So I did. And then I just realized that like my expertise and the people, the connections that I built on a professional level were suppliers and manufacturers of the oil and gas. So, um, you know, it's been a process. It's been a lot of days, you know, everyone that's an entrepreneur or you're just like, you wake up and you try to figure it out and you have mixed emotions. But I think more than anything, it's that drive of that little girl that just always had dreams. And that mm -hmm. continues to fight for her dreams. And this is one of my dreams. This is the career and the passion that I have for my career and the skill sets that I learn. And I just continue to learn. Like, I love reading Seth, Seth um, one of my favorite marketers, Seth Godin. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. He's one of like my favorite marketers and just continue to be inspired by those people. So, you know, my B2B business really focuses like on SEO management. Um, social media management, website content, and building as well. So I've been able to, ever since I launched, branched out to have three different people on my team, which is, you know, something oh, that wow. I'm very grateful for and that they just came into my life and they've just been super supportive because, I mean, if anyone knows starting business, there's like, you know, no right manual for for a specific person like you know you hiring a business coach that's definitely on my list to just continue to expand because i think i mean same with pageantry i've had different coaches like having a mentor and a coach yeah. guide you through the process i always say like you don't have to do life alone and i've learned that um the hard way um mm -hmm. that i don't have to do life alone so that's on my list so i'm very passionate about it i will continue to expand it and i encourage everyone just to follow me because if you see me, I'm just, you know, all about the content, the SEO, how to optimize, how to just really tell your story, um, whether it's just, you know, B2B, but I think B2C too. It's like telling your story yeah. of what makes you your brand and your company unique versus your competitors. Well, I didn't realize you expanded already. That's normally the a great sign for small businesses when you aren't working just by yourself, but you have a team. And I do know Seth, at least if I'm thinking about the right person, he's the most unassuming. He's got the he's a little sort of older man with the little glasses and yeah. but he's a marketing genius. But you'd never know it. I think if you if if I if he was walking down the street, I mean I'd recognize him, but no, I don't know how many else how many others will. But um I need to ask, because it's fascinating that you've picked an industry in with oil and gas that so many people, even in the pageant world, are saying basically is evil. Um, and you're going into market for it, which as for me, being in business and marketing as well, it presents a really interesting challenge because you're you're trying to do marketing for an industry that maybe isn't getting the best PR. 
that's where marketing probably is most needed. So when, when you're doing the marketing, have you come up with, with any challenges in terms of negative PR? Well, I think the biggest challenge is the pressure that these companies are facing, right? I mean, especially, you yeah. know, I mean, for my field, it's manufacturers. So it's actually the ones that produce like the pipe and they're not doing the drilling work and stuff, but it's like the midstream sector of, yeah. of the oil and gas. Um, so there is definitely a lot of pressure on, you know, being more sustainable. Like, how are they, what are they trying to do? Like, are they trying to build like new pipes to be sustainable? So, you know, um, there's a lot of like mixed emotions already with like everything that's happening and that there's yeah. concern for everything. So there is that pressure. So I think more than anything, as a marketer myself and as someone that loves what she does, loves her clients, but also loves this world. I think it's more than judging them is supporting them in that transition process. Okay, well, yeah. what what are the steps that, you know, the executive team can take at this moment right now in this present moment to try to move forward to that goal and becoming more sustainable? Um, and, you know, just trying to promote that as the these organizations are transitioning to becoming more sustainable in many different mm. ways not just, you know, let's get rid of the, the pipe, but being more sustainable and reducing their consumption at home, having more home offices to where people are not emitting a lot of gas and having to drive, um, yeah. reducing plastic use, not mm -hmm. you know, buying bottled water. So those are, I think, small steps that I've seen my clients take in trying to be more sustainable. Because I mean, I think they they're very aware of the pressure that they have, and they're in a in a tough situation. But from all of them, that I I just know that they're 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 trying. But it's a leap that I think as humans, um, this is where empathy really comes in. And I think instead of you know really just judging and calling someone the devil or evil, is like okay, mm. well, what are some solutions that you know, those industries can have, specifically for like manufacturers and suppliers for the oil and gas, where I'm more knowledgeable about like, what, what can, you know, what are the studies that have been done that these yep. companies can then utilize to implement in their products that they are pushing forward? Yeah, I, I think certainly with the war that's happened in Ukraine, and that's primarily been predicated on gas, um, and Europe's reliance on Russia for gas, uh, I think there's a lot to be said about just running around saying the sky's falling down without doing the proper research, the proper studies, and actually knowing how things work in the real world. Because it's very mm -hmm. well to say we should do X, Y, Z, but if it leaves, again, the most at-risk people, you know, not able to pay for their heating in the middle of a European winter, then that's that's not a good thing at all. Um, but I, I'm just curious because with marketing, and I love marketing, I don't know why, I didn't study it at school, but I, I just... I, I love it. It's just, it's, I'm crazy passionate about it. Now, when it comes to things like SEO, which is search engine optimization, and if you're watching, you don't know what that is, you know, like Google, you want to get on the first page, not the second page. Um, do you see any crossover between marketing and pageantry? Because one of the things I'm always interested in is not more, not a lot of pageant girls have blogs. At least that's been my observation. So SEO already is, you can't really mm -hmm. do that. Um, they have, everyone has an Instagram account, but Instagram is not the most SEO friendly. Uh, a lot of them also don't have YouTube channels and YouTube channel would be the SEO one, the one that kind of stays up. So have you ever had any thoughts in terms of how could pageant girls 
or even pageant systems do marketing better because I look at it all the time and I just like, oh, you could start a blog, you could start an emailing list. And I just see pageant girls' eyes glaze over, <laughs> basically. Um, so have you had any thoughts along those uh, along that direction? Yeah, you know, I think definitely starting with one thing uh, for marketing and some of that, some like marketing plans is kind of having a foundation of what you're going to work on, right? Not try yeah. to think, oh, I'm just going to start a podcast or I'm just going to start a YouTube channel and I'm going to start a blog and not really have, okay, well, what are the processes that I need to take and like, what are my goals? So for any girls that are in pageantry or, you know, running their business, I think the number one thing that I, you know, tell my clients is just like first, like building who you are and building your brand. So, I mean, as for me, as someone that just started, I put myself forth and so people know DSC, not just as this agency, but like behind it is a Stephanie, a human that's understands mm. your needs yep. and understands your problems. So for girls that are doing pageantry, I think for one, uh, starting a blog, starting YouTube and just expressing yourself, definitely a hundred percent do it. But more than anything is like mapping out what you're going to do. Okay. So like, what is your goal as a pageant girl? Or is it to raise awareness of your platform that you're very passionate about? Is it to raise awareness of yourself, of your own personal brand and everything that you do? So then mapping that out and like, what are your goals? Like, what are your metrics? I want to increase my following by X amount. And then what do I need to do for that? Okay, let me just first, if I can't hire someone, you know, I mean, I, you know, as much as we want to, we want to hire the world, right? Sure hire the world and then if we can hire or have like five of us, uh, we could do all of them at once. But starting, okay, what's the most important for my target audience and for my specific goal that I want to have? So if it is, you know, I don't know, I'm going to guess like for me, like my, my platform of raising the awareness for the elders, mm-hmm. I know that by sharing my voice and by having more of that, that brand itself is going to support. If it's maybe, you know, like traveling, someone, oh, a pageant girl that's very, loves traveling and she yeah. wants to really become a traveler, a paid traveler, and you know, then I think like having a YouTube channel would be ideal. So you know i think first really setting the intention of like what is the goal for my own marketing that i want to have to raise awareness of what specific and then what are the tools that i can use to utilize that and then what are the tactics so i have my my tool which Mm -hmm. is going to be youtube and then my tactics is going to be okay well i'm going to record my trip to i don't know three hours down the road and i'm going to record I record like the people that was there and I'm going to just network with the people that were there and then build off of that because once you have your YouTube done then you can go okay well now I have that's done and I'm getting more traction okay well then that's just gonna how can I utilize that YouTube to then Mm. maybe transcribe it into where I can transcribe what I had into a blog and then just I already have the content and then I could just transform it into a blog so I think more than anything is having that goal with like you know, your own specific metrics or, I don't know, 20% of growth in my YouTube channel. And then seeing what channels works best for you, whether it be a podcast to start off, mm. writing, and then building that first and then moving on to the rest. Yeah. 
Okay, so starting with the end in mind, so to speak, rather than just trying to do everything for no reason, actually going, okay, I want to do this and these are the best tools and tactics to get me there. Um, so let's make this a bit more real. So from my understanding, having interviewed and talked to so many of you, a lot of the younger generation especially want to become influencers. Now, you know, the older generation will roll their eyes, but they want to live their life as influencers, which to me means when they speak, you have to have an audience um, and you need to be able to persuade them to do something, whether it's buying something or doing something, even if it's just going to the gym or buying a certain product. And then at the beginning, I see a lot of young girls wanting to achieve that, not knowing where to start. They start an Instagram, doesn't really get any traction. They go, oh, that's not working. I'll go to TikTok. They try it a little bit, then it stops because they don't get traction. Then they start the YouTube channel. Then they start the podcast and then they give up because they say, oh, it just doesn't work. Um, where where would you start if you were starting from zero, let's say, with the knowledge that you have, starting mm -hmm. from zero and you wanted to become an influencer of some mm -hmm. kind or to be able to get paid for the actual content that you create, which I think is a dream for so many pageant girls. Basically, yeah. that's it. I want to get paid for the content I create. I don't need to be a millionaire, but I'd love to have financial freedom, which I think as yeah. an entrepreneur is really that thing. I want the freedom to do what I want to be able to do on my own terms. And especially as a pageant queen with a reign, that's yeah. what you want. You don't want to be locked into a nine to five. Go, no, I can't go and change the world because I have a meeting on Monday morning. It's like, no, that's terrible. So what steps, if there's like a young pageant girl, like let's say late teens or early twenties, and they're just getting into the pageant industry and they have no idea what to do with social media, what are some of the steps or some of the questions or tactics that you would advise that person to take if their end goal is to, I want to become, I want to get paid for the content that I create? Mm -hmm. Number one, I think for any girls is what value do I want others to receive from me? Because mm -hmm. I think, um, I mean, for me, marketing 101 is, People are going to buy from you if you add value to them. So I think that's the number one question for these girls is like, what value? And I think that value, the word value can come from other questions like, what am I passionate about? What are my skill sets? What, what just comes naturally to me? And I think that is going to really guide them on, okay, you know, I want to be I add value by just sharing my trips because I'm passionate mm. about that. And I'm adding value because I'm helping a friend look at my Instagram stories and look at my travels. And like, I'm just kind of walking them through a day of like what I did on a hiking trip, yeah. to Ohio, right? You're adding value to that person because they see that you're passionate about it and that you are dedicated for it. And then you're adding value to that because I think if we're just trying to create content just to create it in the hopes of, you know, becoming an influencer. Like you said, more times than not, it's going to be like, you're going to start here, start there, start here. Exactly. And yeah. So number one, really just sitting with yourself and like, what value can I provide to others? Mm. Um, and then asking questions like, what am I passionate about? What am I good at? What are my skill sets? What do I enjoy doing? Yeah. Number two, what are the channels that um, my audience would sit in? So who would be like my ideal audience, right? So if I'm going to go back to traveling, <laughs> I'm yeah, going to go sure. back. I'm, I'm, I'm that's a good one. As, as yeah, that's a good one. Like, 
Yeah, that's, I think it's a good one because I, um, I followed a, a lot of travelers. I personally myself don't ever inspire to be a, a travel but, blogger. Yeah, <laughs> but no, but I a lot of pageant girls do. Go travel? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Count me in, but that's yeah. not, you know, I think like there's people that are just very good at building that. Um, yeah. So number two, like what would be like the ideal person that sees value in what I have? You know, is it someone my age? Is it someone going to be maybe a little bit older? Um, you know, who would be like my ideal target or who would be my ideal person that sees value? And then from there, like what channels do they sit on? You know, if it's a, a yeah. traveler, you know, and they're wanting to go to Peru and you've been to Peru, then I'm pretty sure that they're going to search on YouTube, like best places to see Peru within 48 hours, right? Yeah. Um, so I think those three, like starting with what's my value, who is my target audience, buyer persona, as they call it in a marketing, but we'll use target audience because I think target, target audience is just- I use a avatar. Very, That's the one yeah. I hear again. It. Your use your avatar. avatar. Yeah. Your person. Uh, and then what channels do they sit on? You know, and I think starting from that, um, kind of mapping those out and then going going through the motions with each of these spaces. Mm. Okay, let me ask you a deeper question and this might lead you into your work on the academy that's coming mm -hmm. up. But you tell that to a young person, boy or girl, and it's all well and good. And the biggest objection I hear is, oh, but I don't know what I'm passionate about. I don't have any value. That's the big one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, value doesn't have to be information. Value, especially in this day, can be entertainment as well. We follow, I follow a lot of people who just make me laugh. But mm -hmm. if there's a young person who goes, I don't have anything to sell. I don't have any value. I don't have any knowledge. What, what would you say to that? Well, I think I would go back to the point I made, like when you ask yourself, like, what is my value? Asking yourself the questions of like, what do I enjoy doing? What comes naturally to me? You know, if dancing comes naturally to me and I love dancing in front of the camera, then, you know, maybe that that's your value. You are adding value because you're being who you are and sharing your moves on to, to other uh, users. So I think yeah. when anything is... I, I would say first to this person, it's like you are valuable just by the simple being here, by mm -hmm. having existence. You know, I think each human is valuable just for taking a breath. But value it more than anything is what makes you happy. Because if that value makes you happy, then you're going to do that with passion, with love and dedication versus telling, having someone else say, oh, your value needs to be you need to sell a product because that's what make yeah. that's making money. Therefore, you must sell that product because that's not value. At the end of the day, it's not making you happy if you're just mm. saying that goal of what others people have is it's not it's not meant for you. So I think I would go mm. back and say, well, then what are you passionate about? What do you enjoy doing? What do you like to learn? What do you enjoy learning? And I think when we can answer these questions, we can then learn more a little bit about ourselves and then turn it into something, I don't know, a viral YouTube channel yeah. about dancing. It's interesting you, you bring up yeah. dancing because one of the people that I, I, I follow as a business mentor, his name is also Adrian. He actually started as a dancer. I think he was a backup dancer for T-Pain. And he initially, his initial claim to fame was teaching people how to do the robot. Um, uh -huh. 
on YouTube and doing paid courses. So it's interesting the different paths that we all take. Um, and the, the thing I would add to is also because a lot of younger ones, especially go, oh, there's nothing I'm passionate about. And I think if you're in in that in, in that spot, I think it's very important that you are open to trying a lot of different things as well. I'm not so sure that passion just falls on your head. I think it comes from getting out in the community, trying a lot of different things. 80% of it you might hate, but there might be that 1% that you just never knew that you were going to love, whether it is dancing or traveling or marketing for, for some for some people, whatever it is. Um, but Stephanie, tell, tell me more about the academy you're launching, because I'm going to assume, obviously, you're not doing it because you have way too much spare time on your hands. All these things take up time and focus. So tell me more about the Academy. It's Miss Vinity Academy. Yeah, Miss Divinity Academy. So um, I think after I won the title of Miss Mission International, not I think I just, I know, because it was just like fell in my heart of the process that I've done as a woman that led me to win this international crown, right? And there was a lot of inner work that I've mm. done for the past four years that came from a very dark place in my life. It came from the inner child who didn't have her dad the whole time, who had to stay alone at 16 when her parents had to go back to Colombia for unforeseen circumstances and all of the suppressed emotions that then turned into a very dark time for Stephanie. And it was in mindfulness that I kind of found my tunnel to the light. Mm. Mm -hmm. And throughout the previous pageants that I've done before Miss Mission International, there was always this limiting belief of like, I am not good enough or you know what, like, mm, that's not for me or I don't have the most nice dress, so therefore I'm not going to win this crown. Yeah. So through the mindfulness work, I was really able to work on that and really understand myself more of who I am as a woman. What are my strengths? What are the areas that I continue to work and continue to build on? What am I passionate about? Like, you know, like mm -hmm. what you, you said, you know, it was through those moments like that I found more of who I was. And I think when I came into to Miss Mission International, all that work, I just had a very clear headspace. I had a very just neutral and peaceful headspace because I've done the inner work. And then I had the, I, in a sense, I call it like the outer work of prepping my walk or having oh. that stage presence of being able to communicate with uh, strangers. And so when I was at Miss Mission International, you know, a lot of the beautiful girls that I worked with were like, oh my God, Steph, like, I love the energy that you bring. Like, you just have like this confidence, like on stage. And it's like, I would walk out on stage and I would literally say in my mind, I am beautiful, I am powerful. And I would look at the judges, I would stand in front of the judges and I would say, you love me, I am light, I am your voice, I am strong. I just kept on saying these affirmations. So when mm. I got the pageant my my mind was like all full of all these emotions but more than anything I was like what what is this title teaching me what is the title this title teaching us Stephanie and then one day I just like randomly I go for walks outside a lot and I'll just journal and then it came down like you know 
Miss Divinity Academy just and then I just started journaling like what would be my purpose with this academy because beyond and beyond the glitz and the glamour I really mm. want women to have that inner emotional control that understanding of who they are understanding to take a pause to take a breather to not really listen to all those thoughts that go that flash into our mind and just really sit back and know that they are safe, that they are okay, and that they can then project all of the other external tools like walking, presence, yeah. hair, makeup into one. And I think that just makes us so powerful. Um, so that is my goal with Miss Divinity Academy to combine mindfulness and pageantry in one. And have you launched it or are you launching it soon? Like what's the timeline here? So I'm... My desire is to launch it this summer. I have definitely been working over the clock because, you know, as you guys know, I have my B2B business and I'm very grateful that I was able to bring someone on to kind of help me continue to build that. Um, mm. And then with Miss Divinity Academy, it's been brewing for a while, uh, but now I'm finally going to host an event live here in Houston where I live. Um, nice. I'm here in March just to kind of you know show the community what it will entail and just really putting myself forth and then fully launching here um like i said in the summer to where i can take on girls and just really support them but i want to open it up to you know just not for 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 girls that are in pageantry but also women that are looking for that mm -hmm. side right because i think talking with my community and mindfulness they're like stuff there's never been like the mix the mix of the glamour because you can be this glamoured up extension, eyelashes, lipstick, and still be a centered and mindful individual. Yeah, I really love the idea because I think there needs to be more more out there for the inner work that has to go into pageantry. Um, one of my mentors says like uh, 80% 80, 80 of success is psychology, 20% is mechanics. And to me, there's way too much focus on the mechanics. The mechanics in pageantry being how do I walk? How do I get into shape? Even how do I talk? But that psychology part is really missing to me because if you go up on stage and you are feeling not enough or you're feeling nervous or you're feeling over anxious, then it impacts everything. And it's not the walk that you have a problem with per se. It's much more the mindset. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I love the sound of what you're doing. So you're launching, planning on launching, I've got to think Northern Hemisphere. So in your summer, so like June, July-ish? Yes, June. June is the goal. June is the goal. I've been working, like I said, over the clock because I feel like girls are just going to, they're going to gain so much, so mm. much just being able to, you know, if I like a young girl, girl, and just really tuning into herself and managing that mindset and reprogramming that mindset and going in, you know, I mean, if I look back at 15 year old stuff and I can tell her like, you're going to be, you're amazing just as you are. And you can, you can do all those dreams, Yeah, you know, um, that's what I, I inspire to be for other girls. So that way they can grow and being, you know, even if it's not, cause it's not just about the crown, right. Of but course. it's about becoming just the most empowered queen that you can be. So my slogan will be racing your queen within cause everything's happens from the inner out. Um, so I'm very, very passionate and super excited about it because the mind is just extremely powerful. And we, when we learn to control that, we learn to, really manage our emotions and really just become this 
limitless individual that we're all meant to be. Perfect. Well, keep, keep me updated on that. Um, because <laughs> I was, I, I certainly think there needs to be more, as I said, offered in terms of the inner work that needs to be done. And I was in Texas last July, <gasps> really hot. Oh. really really hot every day was like a hundred degrees i was in dallas and every every fort worth sorry and every every day was over a hundred just had the air conditioning on the whole i don't know how you live in texas without air conditioning god forbid but oh it i loved it but it was hot and the food oh put the portion size it's just like a <laughs> Yeah. You don't you don't get a portion of chicken. You get the entire <laughs> chicken. And the problem is it tastes good. So then you finish it. And then when I went home, I was like, geez, everything's a bit tight. But look, if I'm over there again in, in yeah. during the summer, I, I'd love to be there to support and see what you're doing. Because, yeah, um, yeah it, it sounds amazing. So uh, just before we <laughs> go towards the final 10 questions, Stephanie, is anyone that you'd like to give a shout out to? Oh, my mother, my mother, Margarita Restrepo, she, I think I am very fortunate to be living part of her dream um, and her seeing it into existence. And, you know, through my inner work that I've done, I've grown to really appreciate her and understand her um, and love her for who she is. And without her, I wouldn't be here. So that inner work really helped be more of an impact. So I love you, mom. <laughs> Perfect. All right, let's go through these final 10 questions, 10 oh, random okay. questions. Here we go. Number one, what is your favorite word? Hmm. Love, love, love for life, love for myself, love for others and love for the world. Number two, what is your least favorite word? Hate. Hate is very powerful and has caused a lot of damage in our world. Number three, in life, what gets you excited or what turns you on? Meditation. Meditation has really shifted my perspective of life and just knowing that I really only need myself to be happy in a sense, mm -hmm. just sitting with myself and sitting with the Stephanie and sitting of everything that she's done in her life and everything that she continues to be. So meditation inspires me every single day of my life. Number four, what turns you off? <laughs> oh gosh. Um, lies. Lies. <laughs> I think, you know, I think, we should just be honest with who we are and not pretend to be someone we're not. And if, you know, we can't be honest with others then we're not being honest with ourselves. That's a big turn off. <laughs> Number five, what sound or noise do you love? Sound of waves. Hmm. Put me on a beach with the sunset and waves. Yep, that's perfect. Uh, number six, what sound or noise do you hate? Fire alarms. In my apartment, <laughs> it goes off like, kid you not, maybe once a week. I don't know why. <laughs> and I like wake up in a panic. So I've grown to uh, not appreciate them much. <laughs> number seven, if you could have any one superpower, what would you pick and why? 
invisible just so I can walk through life observing. I'm a big observer and walk through life just observing and learning because I think it would only just help my marketing skills if I could just observe that buyer decision and what they're thinking or, you know, observe others. <laughs> Become invisible. Leave it to a marketer to, to pick in, in invisibility so they can improve their marketing. Only a marketer would say that. Um, number eight, what job other than your own would you most like to attempt? Skydiver. I think there's just so much adrenaline into it. And like every day is like, you know, life and death and adrenaline and rush. And I think skydiving. Have you ever skydived? I have not. So that's why I would, I would attempt that as a job because then I would be forced to it. Right. Cause if not, I'm not doing it. I'm not getting a paycheck. <laughs> it's very true. Uh, number nine, what job would you definitely not like to attempt? Oh. Goodness. Uh, being a surgeon, being a surgeon. I think that's leave it up to, to the professionals. You don't want to trust me with a knife. I don't need a knife. <laughs> I'm, I'm tempted to ask questions after that, but I'll leave well enough alone, I think. <laughs> okay, final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I am so proud of you for going after everything I put in your heart because there were... Your, your dreams were put there for a reason and you chased after them as Stephanie. Perfect. Well, <laughs> that's about it. Thank you so much for your time and for coming on. Thank you so much, Adrian. It's been fun. And I would, as I said, keep me up to date with what's happening with the Academy. And I'm, if I'm over stateside again in your summer, um, that cool, cool, Texas summer, then I'd love to come along and uh, support. But I'll keep you on the line for just a sec whilst I hang up with the audience. Thanks, everyone, for watching, and we will speak to you next time. Bye for now. Hey, thanks so much for watching. Sorority Access is now open. So if you'd like to join an amazing group of women and learn how to be the most powerful, confident, and impactful queen possible, head to the pageantsorority.com. I'll see you there and see you in the next video.